Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Dave Jenkinson continues our series of messages on the book of Acts, today looking at chapter 19. And now, here's Dave. So good to be with each and every one of you this morning. It's a blessing to be here. It's a... it's a blessing to be anywhere, but um, but uh, uh, nevertheless, how did you do this past week? Wasn't that a cold one? Uh, well, we actually had two cold days, and I'm so thankful. It used to be two weeks of cold days like that. Those of us who remember those ice fog days, uh, when the uh, ice fog would come down the highway from the steam of the cars, and and that would be for Two weeks, and it was it was it was really tough. Now some of us had to experience outside during that that minus uh, forty, fifty, depending on what the chill wind chill was. So uh, uh, how'd you do? Most of us, I think, stayed inside. <laughs> um, and nevertheless, that that is probably a, a picture of of how most of us are <laughs> when we read the Acts. Do you, do you find it? Somehow, when you read um, this account by Luke of what was going on in the early church, it just doesn't sort of represent what our, most of us are experiencing in our lives. Like, when was the last time you saw somebody who was lame, you know, get up and walk right in front of you? You know, when was the last time we saw miracles? You know, oh, well, you know what? Miracles are happening all the time. And that's the point. We need to see what God is doing. Give us eyes that we might see. And so, let's just think about why we study a book like Acts. Uh, first of all, we study it because we want to be encouraged. This is the month, last month, and this part of the first week of this month is really called the month of, in, of discouragement. With the low light and the, and the weather records being set, um, high bills, low vitamin D, high discouragement, low feasting. Um, you know, those are things that sort of make this the month of discouragement. But in the previous chapter to the chapter we're looking at, and I want to set it sort of in, in context, Paul was there in Corinth, and the Lord had to speak to Paul, and uh, he spoke to him in verse, verse 9. Now, Get this, in verse 8 it says, Many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Wow, that's exciting. There were new, faith, new in the faith. There was revival going on. And the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Verse 9, Acts 18. Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent. I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. And I have many people in this city. I have many people in this city. And uh, it's wonderful that he had this reassurance at a high point in his life, not at a low point. And it was there that he was reminded that there was still more. And I think if we can take one lesson out of Acts, is there's still more going on. That God's not finished with his church and his people. 
there are many people in this city who are his. Now, they don't look like his yet. <laughs> they don't. Some of them are those homeless people that you see. Some of them are the addicted. Those who are struggling with addictions. Some of those are those who are uh, caught up with domestic squabbles or even violence. Some of those are those who are actively criminals. Yes, even those God has got his hands on. Well, think about the first 12 that were picked. You know, the burly fishermen, the fighting brothers, the, uh, the tax collector. Boy, if you're not looking at the chosen, please continue to, to ask me about it because this is a movie series that I believe is going to be used by God to make an impact in our generation. And if you haven't seen it, please look, ask me about it because I can share with you how to get to it. And uh, this is very important in our generation to make it relevant to the people of our day. Psalm 56, verse 8 says, You, God, have kept count of all my tossings, and you've put my tears in a bottle, and are they not in your book? God takes note of every hair that just fell out in you brushed out this morning. He takes care of every speck of skin that flaked off of you. He knows the stars. He knows your troubles. You know that song, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. If you stop there, you, you really get discouraged. Nobody knows but Jesus. And he knows the discouragement that you are facing right now. But he also says, trust me, I've got your back. I've got your front. I've got your bottom. I've got your top. I am around you and I am in you if you have confessed me and believed in me and truly received me. And so it says that there were in Acts chapter 9 at Ephesus. While Apollos was at Corinth and Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. This is now the start of another journey that Paul has taken. He's moved from Antioch, north of Damascus, and he's moved over through the, the tablelands, the highlands of what we now call Turkey, and he's moved into uh, the city of Ephesus, and he comes to Ephesus, that place that we are hearing about this morning in our song service. The book that was named Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The reminder in Revelation that the Ephesian church that was established by Paul and by Priscilla and Aquila and by others, that this church had left and lost its first love. That's pretty serious business. God is love. The messenger to the church was, you've lost God. Now, we know that happened once in the Bible, where Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. They lost God. Can you imagine if you were Mary and Joseph on that particular occasion? <laughs> You're... In the feast, in Jerusalem, it's a wonderful place. It's nothing like a big city that gets you pumped. And they were in that place and they were enjoying it and they just assumed that Jesus was with the party as they left. And they go out. They go out a day's journey. 
That's a pretty long drive before they realize something's wrong. And they come back because Jesus is missing. God, they've, they've lost God. Some of us have lost God. Some of those who are professing God think they had God, but they never really had Him. And He never really had them. They are in that category that Jesus talks about in Matthew, where He says, Many of you will say in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty, wonderful works? And he will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of iniquity. So you who are listening, you know who you are. I remember when I'd hear sermons like that, and I was sitting in a congregation much like this, and I'd make fun of the people that fell asleep, and I'd make fun of the people that were preaching, and we'd, the, the guys in the back, we were just constantly joking and kidding around. The teenagers, you know, we were teenagers at the time. We felt that was our role as a teenager. And, uh, and nevertheless, I needed to get serious with God. And that is the message of true repentance and true salvation. These, Paul passes through, and he finds some disciples and says, Did you receive the... Who are these disciples? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, it says that they were disciples of John the Baptist. What's going on here? Well, it was not uncommon that John the Baptist, when he was preaching and proclaiming repentance, be baptized for the remission of sins? No, he said be baptized that you would show that you are repentant. And he was describing this, this need for them to come to the awakening that the Messiah was right around the corner. And some of the disciples of John went away from Jerusalem. They left and they went up to Ephesus. They've been waiting for a long time there. And he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? Well, we were baptized into John's baptism. So here we have 12 individuals almost like a secluded sect that has been there in Ephesus, and Paul reaches out to them. This is very important. A religious person who is wrong may not necessarily be someone to be feared. These were very religious. They were very strict in their religion. They were very pronounced. I remember meeting some folks that were parts of the, the cults and finding that they had a heart for God's truth. They wanted to know the reality of forgiveness and they found forgiveness in Jesus. So let us not be afraid of reaching out to those who come to our doors if they have a heart for God's truth. Now if they're just there just kind of convince you and stumble you, you know, just very politely, we need to learn how to politely um, not offend, but just say, uh, we're believers and we know Jesus. And, and unfortunately, you don't. <laughs> um, well, that's a bit blunt. But anyways, uh, nevertheless, they ran into John's disciples and they baptized them. Not with another baptism of John, but as Matthew says, 
Jesus declared, go out into all the world and preach the gospel into all creatures, everyone, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That was not John's baptism. This is Jesus' baptism. Now, does a baptism by immersion save you? The Word of God is clear. It does not. Even a confession does not save you if there is not belief in your heart. i got to know, I was baptized twice before I became a believer. And there are many people who take their original baptism, whether it be through their parents as a child, or whether it be through some other baptism that they had, and unless they are trusting right now fully in the grace of God, it is a religious ritual which has no standing before God. And so Paul, hearing this, taught them, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, say that they should believe on him who would come, that is, Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul laid hands on him, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. So what is different about this baptism? Well, it's not a formula. I have had people tell me that when they were baptized, they actually received the Holy Spirit at the same time, and that is very possible. But you must have an encounter of submission and reality with the Lord Jesus. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. And the Holy Spirit is very selective. He knows the heart. And he will not enter in if the heart is not prepared for him. The heart is not ready. And so, have you received the Holy Spirit? That's a good question to distinguish between professors of Christianity and possessors of Jesus. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the design of Paul's preaching here was to encourage them to trust in Jesus. There are four times where this gift of tongues is spoken of in Acts. I just want to briefly make a, make a reminder to you about them. Beginning in Acts chapter 2, uh, where it says, Dwelling in Jerusalem, many Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And, and then it goes on to say later on in that same chapter, verses 5 through 12, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. When you read Luke's account, he says there were 18 different dialects, approximately. 18 different languages. Real languages. Real gift of language. Paul tells us it's a sign gift. A sign not to believers, but to unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 14:22. And so the first sign was a sign to the Jewish people that God was about to do something very, very amazing. He was reaching out to the world. The second sign was assigned to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. The third sign was assigned to the Romans when Cornelius, the Roman, accepts the Lord Jesus and his message. And here, for the first time, a Roman, after the resurrection, has received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that seals it, that reminds everyone that this is not ritual that saves. It is not a physical sacrifice. Only the Lord Jesus saves. And the gift of the Holy Spirit 
of the living God is given. And finally, this is the fourth occasion, the Jews at Ephesus, disciples of John, who later become disciples of Jesus. This chapter begins with the disciples of John, but it rapidly moves on to disputes or divergent teachings in the synagogue in verses 8 through 10. And Paul's perfect practice, his constant practice, was to go first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And when some of the hardened did not believe but spoke evil of the way, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples. And they continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So the second D, as we look at the various D's here, were the divergent and the dissuaded. They were not persuaded, they were dissuaded. And so in verses 11 through to verses, the end of verse 20, we have the demons. And here we have the message of the Lord using miracles to validate his message says that they brought even handkerchiefs and aprons from his body, from the body of Paul, to the sick. And diseases left them and evil spirits went out from them. And then as Luke remembers this account of the evil spirits leaving, it says that there were some Jewish exorcists who took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, this is a rather strange account in some ways. Because um, in the day that Luke was writing, there were those who made their living going around and giving exorcisms. Um, these were, as uh, Josephus says, um, they would go around and uh, the manner of the cure was this. This gentleman would put a ring that had the root of one of all sorts uh, mentioned by King Solomon to the nostrils of the demoniac and draw out the demon through his nose. And when the man fell down, he adjured him to return to him no more, making still mention of Solomon and reciting special incantations. And they did this for a living. This was their living. And they got paid whether the demon re was removed or not. Now, the Lord Jesus makes an allusion to this when he says in Matthew 12, 27, um, if you say that I cast out demons by the chief of demons, then by whom do your children cast them out? And that's Matthew 12, 27. So in this occasion, the uh, demon speaks through the man and says, Jesus I know, verse 15, Paul I know, but who are you? You want to make sure that if you're going into that area, you better know what you're doing, and be led by the Lord. It is not something to travel with lightly. And the man who the evil spirit was leaped on them and overpowered them and prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house. They, how many? It would appear that by Luke's account, there were seven of them. One man, overpowers seven, removes their clothing and they flee the house without any clothes on. What a shameful exit. And it reminds us again that there will be those who will imitate the power of God. Imitation 
but not possession. And certainly, uh, this is here as a warning. It also says that many believed and came confessing, verse 18, telling their deeds. And many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. You say, wow, they burned all those books. It was a book burning. And it says that uh, they were worth 50,000 pieces of silver. I did a little check on that. 50,000 pieces of silver. And how much it would be equivalent to today, by today's currency. It works out to about $293,858 U.S. dollars as of today. So almost $300,000. And certainly this was a... I mean, there'd be some today who would say, well, you know, you should have taken it to some of the local thrift stores. You know, I mean, somebody would get some benefit. Yeah, they would. They'd get some benefit of magic and evil and Satan. And there's a time to burn the bridges and burn the ship. Now, let me explain. <laughs> because I don't want anyone accusing me of encouraging arsonists. Burning the bridges was a, an old pattern which an army would use when they would advance. And it would be twofold. As they crossed the bridge, they would burn it so that, one, the soldiers would not head back across that way, their way of escape. And the enemy would have problems coming back if they did have to escape. So there was nothing there for them to retreat by. In the olden times as well, when they had ships, sometimes the soldiers when they would debark off the ships, the last thing they would do was burn the ship. It was on a rare occasion, of course. But the idea was that this way, the enemy would not get to use that ship if they were overpowered, but it also meant that they would not have a way of retreat as well. And certainly, when you take and get rid of all of this wealthy witchcraft and uh, uh, religious um, nonsense, I guess that's the best way to put it politely. Um, there'll be those who say, but it was valuable. And you say, yes, but I don't want to be stumbled again. I don't want to go back into it. And if there's something that you've been addicted to, perhaps you need to get rid of it in your house. Some I've, to I've, I've been told, some say, well, I'm addicted to this. I have struggled with this. I don't like this, but uh, I leave it there just to prove how strong I am. I go, what? We're weak. When was the last time a Christian was strong? We came to Christ because we needed a Savior. And somebody said, well, Jesus is just your crutch. And I said, yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> and a very good one at that. <laughs> and uh, not only is he cr my crutch, he is my life. I hope he's yours. And so if there's something that's going to stumble you, burn the bridges, burn the ship. I hope you know what that's what I'm trying to say there. And then as they were purposing in their hearts in verses 21 towards the end, there was a great disturbance about the way, verse 23. A great disturbance. A certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, made silver shrines of Diana. So this city of Ephesus was known for a number of different things. It was the banking capital of, the, of Asia. It was where all the it was the Wall Street of the day. It was the um, the religious capital for Diana. Uh, apparently, a great meteor had hit the city area, and then they had taken the stone and carved an image in, out of the stone, and 
and worshipped this, this image and would beseech this stone image for favors. And um, it was very popular. It was big business. Uh, there was many little smith shops where if you came in to worship Danny, you could go away with your own little miniature idol. And, of course, that was big business. Sin is big business in our country as well. We need not mention all the different sin industries, but there's many who have their living based on sin, encouraging sin. The people in this day had an almost riot, and the clerk had to quiet the crowd, as it says, the clerk quieted the crowd in verse 35, and he says, Man of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that this is the city of the Ephesians, and it's a temple guardian of the great goddess Diana, and of the image which fell down from Zeus. Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. Well, I'm so glad that he said that. Be quiet and do nothing rashly. Uh, that allowed the early church to survive. And the early church did survive and grow prosperous. But it didn't stay in Ephesus. Why? As we were hearing this morning, there was a number of reasons why the city of Ephesus passed into dust. An earthquake, uh, silted rivers, and destruction by enemies. How much of that was directed by God? Well, there's nothing that happens that isn't directed by God. And once you get a hold of that, it gives you great confidence, does it not? You know, I missed the bus. Yeah, you missed the bus, but the bus had an accident. And you were going to be hurt on that bus accident. My car, the battery didn't work today. No, your battery didn't work today, and you had to find alternate ways to get here. But, because the battery didn't work, God had another plan for that situation. And I'll never forget the day that my battery was as dead as a doornail, left the lights on and somehow managed to make that mistake and got out and I started to rail on God. He says, hold it, hold it. Don't you know I'm in charge here? You wanted to go at one o'clock. You're not going to go at one o'clock to do hospital visitation today. But put the battery charger on and see what happens. Two hours later, the battery was ready. The car was ready to go. We got down to do hospital visitation. As I walked into the hospital room, two people were walking out. They'd been there for the solid two hours that I was hoping to visit. I, wouldn't, I would have had a wasted time. But God knew that. He says, I'm going to let Dave be forgetful here. <laughs> and uh, leave the lights on. And all of this will play out beautifully. So that you'll get a chance to hear the story of how it all worked out. Because that very afternoon, a woman who had congestive heart failure failure and was in her dying last week, came to faith in Christ between 3 o'clock in the afternoon and 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And God's ways are always good. Last night as we were leaving this place, we had a little simple task. We wanted to get some cups for the little church this afternoon. And uh, I'm driving along and Becky says, oh, didn't you for, did you forget? We've got to go into the, into, into, uh, pick up some cups. We're going to uh, one of the stores in town. And I had swung into the Porcupine Mall. Why? Whew. 
Who knows? Sometimes, don't tell the people that they're driving on the other side of the road that, okay? I, I drove into the Porcupine Mall, and there, lo and behold, was a, a certain little store that was still open. The only store that's open at 7.30 at night still. And guess what? She went into that store and picked up the very cups that we could not find anywhere else in the city of Timmins. Now, yeah, I know it's just a little cup story, but it's God's grace to remind us that he has all things work together for good. And I said, Becky, I, I didn't plan on making that turn there. It was like it was just a kind of like a, an impulsive thing. And I said, well, I guess the God was just kind of using it at that point in time to work out his will. And so let us be assured that in the good, in the bad, and yes, even in the ugly, he is there. And he loves us. And he cares about us. And in Acts chapter 19, we get to the end of this. And he said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Well, I'm going to say these things. But Phil's going to dismiss the assembly. And he'll call up the song team and close in prayer if he wouldn't mind. May God bless you as we look to him for this day. Let's just close in prayer, shall we? Dear God, our Father, we thank you that you are the creator and the sustainer of the universe. There we behold your glory and the magnificence and majesty of who you are. We thank you that you are a holy God. We thank you that you have reached down to the sinful creation that went its own way, man by man, woman by woman. And yet you loved us all. You paid the price for salvation. You gave yourself through Jesus on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And there Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again so that we would have these promises and the the life that we have in him. We thank you that in him we have your word. We thank you that in him we have your Holy Spirit who seals us at the time of our true saving faith in you. And we thank you that uh, we have all of these blessings as we live for you now. We thank you for your provision for our needs. We thank you for... Uh, strength in the midst of weakness. We thank you for you. We thank you for power in the times of need. We thank you for your encouragement when we're down, and we thank you for the joy that underlines all of who we ought to be in Him. Uh, the reliance on you each and every day. Father, we thank you for your guidance in our lives. We thank you for your promises. Thank you for your provisions, and we look forward to the time where we will be at this. Festive supper of the Lamb for all eternity, and together in you uh, and in, his, in the presence of our Lord and yourself. Thank you for all you've given to us, shown to us. Just help us to serve you with all of our hearts, love and, with love and with grace and with truth that others will see, not to bring glory at all to us, but by your grace would reach others. We just commit to you afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.